Whether you have a general interest in health and wellness, or you are already a medical professional, we're here to provide you with tools and resources to make informed decisions about your health. This is House Call, part of Hackensack Meridian Health's podcast. Here, our expert providers will share with you wellness tips, information, and general health advice. Thank you for listening. We all have our weaknesses and cravings. For some, they're more on the salty side. For others, sweet. Now, I know my sweet tooth is absolutely out of control, and at the moment, all I'm thinking about is just devouring a huge bag of chocolate-covered almonds or some brownie batter ice cream. And yes, it's only 9.30 in the morning as we record this. Um, But there's hope, right? I mean, there's healthier alternatives out there, such as low-fat frozen yogurt. But at a closer look, though, sometimes these alternatives really aren't that much healthier after all. I've brought in Dr. David Leopold, the medical director of Hackensack Meridian Integrative Health and Medicine, and Marissa Winters, an integrative nutritionist, to break down some of these quote-unquote healthy foods and provide tips for cleaner eating. Welcome, Dr. Leopold and Marissa. Good morning. Thank you for having us. Of course. To set a benchmark before we dive into some specifics, Dr. Leopold, what makes food healthy? Well, it's a great question, and it's one that I think we wrestle with frequently. But in general, I would say foods that are healthy are foods that are as close as they can be uh, the way they appear in nature. And uh, so they have less processing. They have less things like refined sugars or refined grains. Uh, We try to avoid foods that have what we call empty calories, so foods that are nutrient-dense based on what kind of caloric intake they have or caloric uh, load they have. And um, we also believe strongly that healthy foods are foods that people can use over a long period of time so that they have a sustainability and that they need to be palatable as well. Food needs to be enjoyable for people to be a healthy food that they can uh, have in a lifelong eating plan. Of course. On the flip side, Marissa, what makes food unhealthy and what are some examples of you know, processed foods? So... The more a food has been processed by a food manufacturer, and typically that would be to make it more convenient or to make it more palatable. Generally, those types of foods have added salt, sugar, and or fat. And it's designed to elicit certain chemicals in the brain that stimulate the reward center, which food manufacturers are well aware of, and keep you coming back for more. So that brownie butter ice cream and those chocolate-covered almonds have additional sugars in them. A little bit of sugar is okay, but when it starts to become a large proportion of someone's eating pattern, because, let's face it, nobody's going to eat a little handful of chocolate-covered almonds. Guilty. (laughs) You're going to keep going back because there's a reward center in your brain that's lighting up and saying, oh, that's so good, I want more. Okay, it's just like winning the lottery. It's the same reward center. Um, So the less proportion that those types of foods can make of your total intake and the more that you can eat more whole foods, as Dr. Leopold said, ones that look the way they're found in nature, those are the ones that tend to have a higher nutrient composition. Those are the ones that are giving you essentially more bang for your buck. I mean, that's what nutrient density is. You're going to eat 10 calories of some food, and it's going to give you a tremendous amount of vitamins and minerals and and all sorts of nutrients that we're still discovering versus 10 calories of something that's not so beneficial for your cells. 
This may sound like a very silly question for the both of you, but for the listeners out there, is food really that powerful? Oh, tremendously. And I think the research backs that up time and time again. But the thing to keep in mind is that it's an eating pattern that makes a difference. It's not an individual food or an individual nutrient. And that's where sometimes I think there's a lot of confusion because people want it simplified and people want a magic bullet. And really, it's the overall eating pattern. And the literature is quite clear that eating patterns that are plant-based and whole food always show benefits. They always have uh, people who eat that way, for example, Mediterranean diet or a DASH diet, those types of plant-forward eating patterns that are high in plants and, and low in processed foods people have lower incidence of chronic disease. People have inc lower incidence of obesity. People have lower incidence of inflammatory markers in the blood. So yeah, basically food is that powerful. Food is the building blocks for our, uh, for our body. And I tell my patients all the time, it, we, we've heard it when we grew up, you are what you eat. Your body cannot make what it needs to make to be healthy, uh, other than from what you put into your body. So what you put in is what your body will use to make the cells and, and drive the metabolic functions that are crucial for us to, uh, to live and, and thrive. I'm going to kind of switch the subject now to peanut butter. So when I'm shopping and I'm looking at my big jar of creamy peanut butter, should I go for my regular peanut butter, my reduced fat peanut butter? Is there a difference? Does it, you know, is one more beneficial to the body than the other, Dr. Leopold? I have generally been an advocate for foods that are not low fat because they generally have more sugar to offset and that appears to be much more problematic than plant-based fat in particular. And so I think as, as we discuss any of these things in general, I think that the regular as they occur um, version, so a quote-unquote high-fat version of peanut butter is going to be more palatable. It's going to be more satiating. In general, people will ultimately, uh, in general, with low-fat and uh, high-fat, people sort of eat the same amount anyway. So it, it once again, it comes to regulation and, and quantity. And so for that reason, I like for people to really enjoy what they eat. And generally high fat foods, uh, like a high fat peanut butter are more palatable. And again, they have less added sugar. So from that perspective, I generally would recommend people just go with the high fat, uh, you know, organic or as natural as, as they can get forms of peanut butter and, and enjoy it. There's nothing better to me than some apples and peanut butter, literally salivating over here thinking about it. <laughs> I know firsthand that, you know, every year comes Super Bowl, people are dunking their wings in blue cheese, they're stuffing their face with pizza, they're just chowing down on chips, and then they opt for the diet soda thinking it's a healthier choice, right? So is it really that much of a difference? Is diet soda that much better for you? Diet soda has never been shown to have any kind of positive effect on weight loss or uh, maintenance of any type of weight. So. Uh, and again, I think it's in fact deleterious when you look at what it's probably doing to our microbiome. And so from my perspective, uh, diet soda, I do not recommend to my, my patients at all. Uh, I don't recommend soda, but from my perspective, given a choice of the two, I would go with just a regular, uh, regular soda, quite honestly. I would, however, 
state that if you are going to go with a regular soda, I think there are better versions of sodas that are available now. Maybe they weren't there 10 or 15 years ago, but certainly there are more of the, uh, and I use this parenthetically, but the, the, the healthier and more natural versions of sodas. And so I don't, Again, I'm, I don't advocate soda. I, I do not think that it's a healthy uh, thing to put into the body. It's confusing in terms of the amount of sugar. Uh, that's, that's a huge glucose load, and um, it, it's deleterious, quite frankly. But, but if somebody is going to eat uh, or drink uh, soda, then I would prefer they drink a regular soda over, over a diet soda and try to make that soda as natural as possible. And I see Marissa over there nodding her head in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> well, we face that quite a bit because um, part of, I think, what soda does in general is it trains the taste buds. These hyper-sweet beverages train the taste buds to think that that's normal. And so when you start suggesting delicately that maybe you want to back off that, maybe you want to consider adding water, and or if you really like bubbles, there are so many options for seltzer that you can get that are flavored um, but not sweetened and start to back away from that sugar or just that hyper sweet taste that you know things just don't seem to taste right if they don't have that super sweetness of it so it is a it's a transitional period and it's a process um, and substituting other sweetened beverages like iced teas or commercially prepared energy drinks, you know, we see a lot of that. And those things are just as detrimental to the, to the body as an actual soda. It's just that they don't always have the bubbles. So we emphasize a lot of water, a lot of seltzer, a lot of um, sparkling water. You know, you can put fruit in it. There's a ton of things you can do to spark up your, the flavor of your beverages and still give yourselves what they need. There are interesting studies that show that the brain doesn't really appreciate the caloric intake of soda because it's in a liquid form. And so if you take the same amount of calories, uh, for example, in the study that I'm referring to, they used soda versus uh, the same amount of jelly beans. So the jelly beans have a, a mass and a, um, a solid component. And so the brain will recognize that type of caloric intake and actually some of the satiety centers are then satisfied. However, when it's liquid, that doesn't happen. So there's really no, there's no off switch. And this is why you continue to see um, sodas in larger and larger uh, amounts where now we have people driving around with these 64 ounce sodas. Uh, that is extremely detrimental to to our physiology so uh, and I would also add that there are a significant amount of studies out there that do link sweetened beverages to increased uh, disease multiple types of diseases uh, when they're they're used on a regular basis so uh, it, it applies to uh, to fruit juices as well um, particularly uh, for kids I think there that that can be really damaging so Sweetened beverages are, are really not good for our bodies. This is so heartbreaking because I love fruit juices. <laughs> I'm over here still fixated on the array of food that is presented on my table for the Super Bowl and uh, any football Sunday, really, now that we're in the season. And I'm also thinking mostly about chips. 
So is there a difference between regular potato chips or those healthy marketed veggie chips, even though potato chips are made from potatoes? Is there a difference really? Should I opt for the potato chip, for the veggie chip? What are your thoughts on that? There are really very few bad foods or good foods, but there are better choices and less better choices, okay? So that once a week spread for Super Bowl or, or football Sundays or whatever, you know, there's room, there's wiggle room in a, a he overall healthy eating pattern that can include all sorts of foods that may be less nutrient dense, as it were, or more junk food type of things. And there's generally nothing that terrible about them as long as they're a very small portion of intake. So I just wanted to kind of say that. Um, the veggie chips versus potato chips, can we just right now stipulate there is no major health benefit to a chip. It is a chip. You are not eating it because it is giving you all sorts of wonderful nutrients, okay? You're eating it because you're with, the, you're with a bunch of people and you're cheering on your guys and it tastes really good because it's made to taste really good. So put a little bowl of chips there regardless of the type, sit down and enjoy the chips and be done, okay? Because there is nothing healthy or healthified about them. And when we start looking at veggie chips that have real veggies in them, so if you look at the ingredient label, most of the veggie chips are made from potato starch, corn starch, powdered beetroot, that's what gives it that pretty pink, okay? So not a whole lot of bang for your nutritional buck there. So let's just, if you really want to bang for your buck, have a carrot stick, you know, have some celery sticks with those wings, um, have some raw vegetables, have some bean dip. Be honest with yourself about exactly what it is that you're doing. And another downside of it, so it doesn't really matter. A chip is a chip is a chip. So enjoy your chip. Um, there is a study out, and I like to tell a lot of my patients that, that the first three bites of any food is the most pleasurable. Okay, so it's, it's kind of like for economics geeks, because I was an economics major, it's the diminishing marginal returns, okay? So as you get so every subsequent bite after three is less pleasurable. Now, if you really want chips, then enjoy three bites worth of chips or three bites worth of brownies or three bites worth of whatever it is that you are wanting but enjoy it, put it on a plate, sit down, savor it, have fun with it, okay? And then move on. And you won't have done nearly the damage. To chime in really quick, and I'm laughing, because last night I'm studying for my master's and I was just eating, I saw myself eating a sleeve of Oreos, right? And after one, two Oreos, I was like, okay, this is nice. And then I got to the end of the sleeve and I said, what am I doing? It's not giving me any type of return on my, my palate. Exactly. So that's, that's very that's interesting. Exactly, at the first three, it's the first three bites. And so you pause after the first three bites. You may want bite four, but you may realize that, mm, no, not doing it, okay? And that's also part of what we encourage is that mindfulness. Go into it knowing, I'm gonna eat chips. Okay, so maybe I don't want a little bowl of chips, maybe I want a medium-sized bowl of chips, but I'm gonna put them in the bowl, not eat them out of the bag. Um, and just the last thing I just wanted to comment is these foods, these snack foods, these processed foods that are healthified or have this health halo, we tend to 
use that as a rationale to eat way more of them than we might normally do. So if you go into it saying like, I know this is garbage, but I'm really enjoying it and it does, you know, it makes my taste buds happy and so it makes me happy and it's part of being with my group, that's okay. You're going into it with that rationale and you're accepting that. It's okay to build in some less nutritious food once in a while, that's fine. But if you go into it trying to talk yourself into believing that, yeah, this veggie chip, just like a broccoli spear. Not, no, no, stop that, stop that. Own your, own your pleasures, let's put it that way. On the subject of junk food, how would you comment on dried food versus candy? Is one a healthier option than the other, quote unquote, Dr. Leopold? Dried fruit versus candy? Yes. If you're talking about two not great options, then I'm going to take the dried fruit anytime. And I, there, are, there are certainly better versions of dried fruit. There, there's dried fruit that is just dried fruit, and then there's dried fruit that is heavily sugared. And uh, I, again, I don't think you're getting a tremendous amount of nutritive value from dried fruit. That said, there, I mean, there are versions where you could make Uh, some rationale that there's some fiber and there are some micronutrients in there. So sure, dried fruit is is generally a better option than a a candy option for people. I'm going to switch the food category and go over to dairy now. Is there a difference, Dr. Leopold, between regular milk, 1% milk, you know, fat-free milk? Is one, again, better than the other? Is one lacking nutrients? How does one make an informed decision when they're food shopping? Uh, well, I think this is sort of a, a complex question because going back to what I said earlier, where I would generally recommend the full fat version because it's more satisfying. Ultimately, people will consume about the same amount, if not maybe a little less because of the satiety factor. For me, for dairy, the most important thing with dairy really is that it's organic and that it doesn't have any added uh, hormones, antibiotics, if we can avoid any of uh, that type of added uh, component to dairy, then I think you're, you're on better footing. And so I don't have a problem with dairy. Dairy is nutrient dense. I think it has a, a place. I think that we've been sort of sold a bill of goods that we need dairy because you don't need dairy and uh, kids don't need dairy. However, I would encourage people to pay attention as to how much you're having. And just like Marissa was saying, when you have it, enjoy it. And, and use the, the good versions, use the organic versions, use, use it judiciously, and enjoy it. And now, Marissa, I know you are vegan, or now you're kind of slowly reintroducing dairy, you said. What are your thoughts on cashew milk, almond milk, soy milk? Are they healthier than generic dairy products, g- dairy milk? Or is it kind of two different ball games we're playing here? As far as Regular dairy, I agree 100% with Dr. Leopold that the best thing you could do is get dairy products from grass-fed organic sources. Whole milk, people don't realize, whole milk is about three and a quarter percent fat. So when you compare it to 2% milk and 1% milk, you know, they're one percentage point difference in the fat content of the milk. So I just kind of wanted to point that out. It's not like whole milk is some heavy cream type of thing. But again, with the um, milk alternates, you would want to look at what is included in them. Typically, it's not all that much nut, a lot of water, and then a lot of different gum thickeners. 
You also want to make sure that they're fortified with some of the important nutrients that dairy contributes um, to our diets to a large extent, for example, calcium and vitamin D. And if you are on the vegan path then, and you're looking at your, your dairy products or your milk alternates, then you're going to want to make sure that there's some B12 in there and maybe some of the other B vitamins. So again, it's a matter of less processed and more enjoyable. And I think any of them can be incorporated. Um, you want to make sure that there's not a lot of sweeteners in them. Sometimes some of these milk alternates that are made from nuts are basically like a little milkshake because they've got sweeteners and they've got flavorings and they've got thickeners and, and they're really good, but they're giving you a big sugar load that a regular dairy product would not be giving you. I found the most delicious cashew milk. It was creamy. And then I look at the label and I said, oh my gosh, I'm literally eating pretty much a shake. Yeah, exactly. Awful, but great at the same time. Now, I guess the last food item that I kind of want to focus on is, um, you know, frozen meals. And maybe people who are on the go and they only have a few minutes to pop something into the microwave really quick instead of stopping at a McDonald's, say. I know those are two extremes. Um, what are your thoughts on frozen meals, Dr. Leopold? I think that they have a significant role in people's overall uh diet, I, certainly for people who work or people who need to do things quickly, there are no shortage of uh, pretty healthy frozen foods on the market now. I mean, 20 years ago, you didn't have it. Now you can get organic everything. You can get uh, very well chosen frozen products out there. So one of the things that we advocate for is being prepared. Uh, nobody makes good food choices when they are hungry. And people get hungry around lunchtime, or if they don't eat in the morning, then they're going to be hungry. So one of the best things you can do is have something at the ready that you can prepare quickly, easily. Certainly for working families where uh, dinner time is, is, if it's anything like it's in my house, it's a melee. And so, you know, if you can get something on the table quickly that uh, has minimal cleanup and is palatable, I don't have any problem with frozen foods. I think they can be a, a real staple for a healthy diet. But you have to choose wisely. I mean, you'd have to watch sodium content and you have to watch for preservatives and additives. So uh, again, like I was saying, we didn't have great options a while ago, but now there's plenty of great options. And it's, so it's about being prepared and having things uh, ready to go that you know are gonna be healthy. For people who are trying to get on a healthier and more, you know, nutritional conscious path, where can they go for education and resources to really learn about making better choices? Well, we offer an awful lot of information on our HMH Integrative website, um, and they can also contact any of us for an appointment to just kind of go over, a consultation to go over how they're eating, um, any tweaks that we can do for it and start getting them on a, a path that may be better serve them. The other thing is you gotta be very careful, as I think you're alluding to, to some of the information that's available online. I mean, everybody is checking things on Google and there are some websites that are much better than others and we do offer um, resources for that also. One of the things that I try to impart to my patients is that I've been saying for a long time, most people don't realize how bad they feel all the time. And we live in a world where eating has become associated with sort of an ill feeling after we've eaten. And going back to your the Super Bowl question, 
you don't have to feel bad after a great Super Bowl party. I mean, you can eat those chips. You can eat even things like hot dogs and hamburgers. You can have a great time. And I think people should have a great time. But if we go back to the amount that you eat and to making some better choices uh, during that time. So Marissa talked about things like carrot sticks, and I'm sure a lot of people out there are rolling their eyes. But carrot sticks with the proper dip or uh, accoutrement can be extremely enjoyable. And if you're alternating it between uh, eating your handful of uh, potato chips, then, you know, there's, there's really not a problem. You're giving your body a break and you're going to feel better. So one of the things I really try to impart to my patients is you don't have to feel awful after you eat. That's not a normal feeling. After you eat, you should feel more energy. You should feel just overall better. Uh, your body should perform better. And so one of the things I always discuss with my patients when we talk about uh, changing what they're eating is I'll say, give me three weeks. And if you don't feel significantly better after three weeks eating what I'm just asking you. And, and again, we're not hyper restrictive. I mean, we believe in people eating things that are enjoyable, that are palatable, that are fun. Food should be fun. Uh, I can honestly say, I don't think I've ever had a patient that has come back and said, I don't feel significantly better. Now, you know, the maintenance of that dietary pattern is obviously difficult, but I always tell my patients in medicine, there are very few things that you can guarantee, but I can virtually guarantee that if you change your eating pattern for three weeks, you're going to feel significantly better. You're going to notice changes in, in your body. And certainly if you can sustain it out until the 12 week mark where lifestyle change really begins to take hold, you're going to notice very significant changes. And again, I don't think I've ever had a patient that has come back and said, you know what, I tried what you said for 12 weeks and I don't feel any better. Recording this podcast on a breakfastless stomach was probably the worst <laughs> decision that I made, <laughs> but I, I feel a little full on knowledge. All right, that was corny. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, Dr. Leopold and Marissa, thank you guys so much for joining me today. I think this was so educational. I think people out there listening to this are going to be incredibly thankful that they tuned in. So again, thank you for traveling and recording this today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. The material provided through this HealthU podcast is intended to be used as general information only and should not replace the advice of your physician. Always consult your physician for individual care.